0: Welcome everyone, you are listening to the I Am A Sparking Podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show, it will probably suck. <laughs> <laughs> every drop of blood, every I for this. every
1: drop I play. every, I, every I sweat, I All right, all right, all right. I am Scott Knowles, and you are listening to the second episode of I Am a Spartan Podcast. On today's episode, I'm interviewing a really cool guy from California. His name is David Vandersmith. And he's going to talk to us about his Spartan race in SoCal. And here it goes. Hey everybody, this is Scott Knowles here. I got David Vandersmith on the line and we're going to talk to him about his race in SoCal. But first, David, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Well, my name's David Vandersmith. I've been uh, racing for about
0: four years now. I started back in 2013 at the Malibu Sprint in uh, December of that year, and that's when the addiction started, and I've just been going bigger and bigger each year since then. Um, let's see, I think at this point I've gone through, what was it, it was one race that year in, in 2013. And then I got my first trifecta in 2014. 2015, I ended up doing a double trifecta, including the Tahoe World Championship. Wow. And then last year, I only pulled off a single trifecta and a couple other Spartans, but I branched out to other OCRs that year, did uh, Battle Frog, one of the last ones that they had, uh, did Couple of terrain races, uh, gladiator rock and run, a couple local small mud runs. So ended up getting a total of 20 events last year. So uh, last year was a pretty big event or a pretty big year for me. That included a couple of hurricane heats. Um, And this year, you know, started off with SoCal just a few weeks ago, and. Did the hurricane heat bear also? I'm just looking to go bigger and better this year. I'm shooting for hopefully an ultra beast and possibly even a hurricane heat 12 hour. Um, So we'll just see how the year goes. I'm just going to keep my nose to the grindstone here training.
1: That's cool. That's cool, man. I've, I've done a Terrain Race. It was okay. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was pretty fun. I I never got a chance to do the Battle Frogs. What did you think of the Battle Frog?
0: I liked Battle Frog. I thought it was right up there with Spartan in terms of, you know, giving a good, decent challenge. Like you said, Terrain Race was more just kind of a fun thing to do. Um, it, it's not quite the same caliber of challenge as something like Spartan, but I definitely encourage even seasoned Spartan racers to go out and do a terrain race and just have good time and, you know, relax out on course. And for those that are really into challenging themselves, even with terrain race, they do have some uh, options, like the unlimited laps, so, you know, good way to practice some mileage there. Uh, that's one of my plans for this year, training up for the ultra, is just go out to a terrain race and try to pull out four or five laps and get those miles under my feet i
1: hear you which ultra are you thinking about doing uh
0: probably gonna be tahoe that's right? that's you know out here on the west coast that's kind of my closest only one real to you. viable option
1: yeah yeah i tell you what new jersey was the closest one to us man We we drove 16 hours there and ran the race and I think we got to bed at like 10 o'clock that night. We got up at 4 o'clock and drove home, and every single time we'd make a stop, it was harder to get out of the van. (laughs) I won't do that again. If I do another ultra, I'm going to (laughs) fly. Yeah, that's the
0: way to go. Or, you know, book a week there and give yourself some recovery time.
1: For sure, for sure. Well, well, David, what you do for a living?
0: Um, well... At the moment, my primary work is working with the city of L.A. I work for the Parks Department as a clerk, and um, I do some lifeguarding on the side and just whatever other miscellaneous jobs I can pick up along the way to feed the addiction here of all these crazy races.
1: I hear you. I hear you. You got a family and kids? No.
0: Nope, uh living solo these days, uh, no kids. So, uh, me, too, me, so. me too brother me too brother Yeah, seems the way to go especially trying to get all these races in you know I don't have to be too concerned with balancing the family life a uh, couple of guys I race with you know they've got to balance the family life and you know power to them I know you know they they always put family first but managed to squeeze in a few races and yeah. I'm continually in awe of yeah, my... being able to that kind
1: of thing off. Yeah, I got some friends, and they got and they got kids, and all. It's so it's definitely a lot harder for them to get out. I I probably wouldn't even be healthy if I had kids because I'd eat all the junk food that they had around and everything <laughs> too. Yep. And I always
0: joke, but that that's the reason I race is just so that I could keep eating the the way I do and and keep the weight reasonable.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, you definitely sound like a seasoned runner. You know, I this is pretty much my first time meeting you, besides seeing some posts on Facebook, and we're both members of Spartan Four O, and that's how I seen you, your your post yep. mainly. But it sounds like you've run a lot of races. Uh, how many races you think you're gonna be able to get in this year? Um, I don't know. It's
0: all gonna be a matter of you know what budget and. Uh well, last year, my, my goal that I was shooting for was one a month, and obviously there was a couple of months there where I was able to do a couple in a month. Um, my big one was probably last May when I did a, a half marathon, um, a Spartan Super, and a local mud run here, um, all within a matter of like two weeks of each, of each other. Wow. Um, but you know, this year I'm going more for the quality rather than the quantity. So, um, you know, I think that next one that I really have on my list would be the Monterey Super. That's always a, a challenging venue. Lots right. of big hills there, and this year there they've got a Hurricane Heat slated to do there. So I'm I'm looking forward
1: to doing the Hurricane Heat out there. So you and, so you uh, like the Hurricane Heats.
0: I, I've really taken a liking to doing these Hurricane Heats. It's a whole other ballgame from from the race itself, but I've had a great time as much as one can have a great time through that level of suck uh-huh. uh, at all the events and lots of great people there. and um, It's a whole other experience, and i definitely recommend everyone try out a Hurricane Heat at one point or another. And, you know, it was... There's always kind of that mythical thing up until I finally did it of, you know, hearing about the crazies of Hurricane heat and getting there and realizing, you know, uh, it, it's all a mindset and everyone's there to support each other and there is no failure at, at the event. It's just you get in there, you work with the team, and as a team, you guys accomplish crazy, amazing feet. Uh, my first hurricane heat was Castaic of 2016. That was class 077. And our, our, our big, crazy one that we pulled off there was, as a team, we carried a big 80-foot tree. and It took over 100 of us getting underneath this tree to lift it up, and we carried it probably about a mile or two around course in the dark. Wow. And uh, me being one of the taller guys, they had me up front of, of this tree. And, man, I'll tell you, felt the weight of that tree up as we started going up every hill. Felt it crashing down on me. There was a couple of times I, I was genuinely scared about, you know, that thing crashing down on me, but... Right, was, you uh, being taller,
1: amazing. you were definitely had a lot of the load on you, for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, especially when we hit that hill. And, you know, I'm, I'm there with, at the front of the tree, taking all that weight to start it moving uphill. Uh, but it was that collective power of everyone wanting to keep that thing up in the air, and, and we got through it, and nobody got hurt. And it was, it was a pretty awe-inspiring experience after that, realizing, you know, what like-minded people teaming up together can really accomplish.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, my, my buddy signed up for the hurricane heat in Atlanta coming up this March, and he's trying to talk me into doing it. But I'm running the sprint both days, and I just don't know how well that Sunday sprint will go after doing a hurricane heat the night before. So uh,
0: You may move a little slower, but you could absolutely do it. I, I would recommend it. I did that at Castex this year. I ran the sprint both days. Uh, did hurricane heat in between, uh, ran competitive on the second day and actually ended up shaving a half hour off my time from the previous day. Really? So, yeah, um, definitely worth doing. Uh, you know, it, it, it'll be a load of stuck, but it, it would be worth it.
1: Yeah. I think I'm trying to wait on the weather, see how bad the weather's going to be. Cause last year it was pretty cold in Atlanta for the sprint.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Number one obstacle at all these things that
1: always seems to be weather. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. So, so okay, um, before we start, um, I, before I started going into the race you had down there, I, I, I know Spartan made some changes on the registration and like how you register. So so w- what changed about the registration this year as opposed to the what it was last year? Well, the registration itself, like, signing up online, exactly the same. Yeah, the, um, yeah but, like, the race day is different now, though, right?
0: different, yeah, what was different was checking in. Um, they no longer issue out a bid number initially. Um, so when you fill out the waiver, you don't need to put the bid number on there. Uh, what ends up happening is they email you a barcode. Right. And you print out the barcode, and... That it right there, and they don't have to dig through all the packets to to find your bid number. What happens, they scan the barcode, they pull out a packet, they scan the chip that's associated with that packet, and boom, you're ready to go. Uh, There was like zero line uh, for checking in. Uh, It seemed that that new process that they have really sped up the whole thing, and I was in and out of check-in, and just a matter of minutes. So, so I, I think this is a good new system that they have going
1: so far. Cool. So, so they don't give you the little envelope anymore? They just give you the bands oh, and you're they ready give to the, go? They,
0: they give you the envelope still, but they it's, it's not one where
1: they have to dig through and find your specific envelope. They're just all but generic now. It, yeah so
0: I guess it, it's I mean, you still get a bid number eventually, but um, it's it's more tied into when you check in versus you know the the pre-assigned bid number. so right. it it seems like they're assigning you the bid number as you're checking in. So rather than having to dig through all that stuff and taking that time, it's just boom they can pull it out, they're assign you your number and you're on your way.
1: Oh, shoot, that sounds like it'll flow better.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I, that's how it seemed to me, and um, I tried racing again the the next day after the super there at Lake Elsinore. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't get able to get in to volunteer that day, so I wasn't able to race. But while I was hanging out there in festival, um, same thing as the day before. There was very few people waiting in line to check in and you know that there's still a massive number of people but um it wasn't the long lines like i've seen at previous races seems to go much quicker with this new
1: method cool so and you said you had to you printed off that barcode i wonder if you could just show them that email on your phone and they could scan your phone i wonder
0: Yeah, they they recommend printing it out. Uh, When I checked in, I actually asked them about that, if I could just screenshot it on my phone or, or, um, you know, just show them the email, and they said that is possible. But, um, you know, it may create some issue if there's weird reflection or something like that, Uh, you know, I'll Science of lasers and all that kind of stuff, and
1: yeah, uh, better be safe and sorry. So it'd
0: probably be safer and quicker, less hassle, just printing it out. But I think if if you had a copy on your phone and that's all you got, uh, it'd probably still work out.
1: Yeah, It would probably just be a little hassle, but they'd probably still let it slide. So you didn't get the, you didn't get an annual pass this year. You're just doing volunteering for the races.
0: No, I, I I've been volunteering since. Uh, 2016, or last year, I guess. Uh, You know, I paid for the first couple of races, did the discount code stuff, and then found out about volunteering. And every time I've gone into volunteer, I've had a great time. Um, There's been a few times where, you know, I've done the walk-in volunteer where I just show up day of the event and tell them, hey, I'm, you know, hoping I can get into volunteer. And up until uh Castaic, or sorry, Lake Elsinore here, um I've I've been able to get in and get a shift every time. And I volunteered but
1: I've never tried the day of the race volunteer. What's that? I said I've I've volunteered before but I've never tried volunteering like the day of like you're talking about, but I know sometimes they do come up short a lot. Yeah.
0: Um, and, you know, I normally don't like volunteering on the day I'm going to race. Right. Um, I, I really like doing course build and tear down myself. Um.
1: Yeah, that's usually what I've and, done is course build.
0: Yeah, I love seeing that back end of Spartan and helping to create the course. Um, I got a sick level of pleasure at Lake Elsinore getting to help lay out the stakes for the barbed wire crawl that they have there, which... Uh, me and the staff started laughing about how how long we could make that barbed wire crawl because we kept coming up with more and more sticks. So we just <laughs> kept making that crawl long, longer and longer until I think the, the final measurement was a little over 300 feet. Wow, and, that's uh, pretty long. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a good long crawl. And, you know, it was that realization after laying out all those sticks of, you know, this is going to be torture for everyone else. And then, oh, shit, I got to do this too. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> cool, cool. So, uh, well, let's start off with how was the weather the morning of the race? Beautiful, beautiful,
0: picture perfect uh, Southern California day. Sun was out, you know, nice light breeze. Um, I was racing open that day because late registration. So, that was the only. Only slot I was able to get into. I started racing competitive last year, but,
1: you know, started off this year with an open heat. What
0: time uh, did you end up going uh, out? Um, I think I launched about 10 or 11, somewhere in that range in the morning.
1: Oh. Weather was probably really nice by then, then.
0: Yeah, weather was great. Um, the early morning was was a bit chilly. Um, so I imagine those uh, elite guys, they... they Probably took a little bit of time to warm up, but, you know, it was still a clear day with the sun out, so um, good day to be out there racing. Definitely beat the hell out of uh, the SoCal races last January, where on Sunday, it was just a crazy, like, hurricane that came blowing in, <laughs> about 40-mile-an-hour winds, rain, and it was... Just, uh, uh, something else to
1: witness, especially for Southern California to see that kind of weather blow through. It's always fun when it but rains here, during a spark. Beautiful.
0: Both days. Both days were
1: just amazing. That's cool. And this was a brand new venue this time, too. Right?
0: Brand new venue for Spartan. Um, I had been at this venue before for one of the... Hey, Scott, in the to have
1: lost it. Yeah, I must have dropped your call there.
0: Yeah, uh, so where, where
1: were we? Uh, Thank you. We were talking about uh, this uh, the venue uh, being at Lake uh, Eleanor this time.
0: Yes, uh, the venue is first time for Spartan being there. Um, I had run a terrain race there earlier in 2016. Um, I was actually surprised when I heard that Spartan was going to be at this venue, because this venue is as flat as they come. Uh not a hill in sight and um, so I I really was curious how Spartan was going to find a way to make this course challenging Um, because when I had done terrain race there, you know, it was a nice easy jog through the whole thing, no incline whatsoever Um, but sure enough, Spartan found a way to into that race and for the super I think we spent probably about a mile or two going in and out of just ice cold water Uh, it was anywhere from about knee depth up to about waist height and that water was just absolute freezing cold It, it was it was painful level cold where it's just got the ice stab in the feet there until everything just goes numb um and that really changed the pace a ways into the race there i and and there again running open i saw a lot of people jumping just outside the the lane lines there so that when they got a chance they could be running on dry ground of course um,
1: yeah you know i had that had to suck it up and,
0: and trudge through all of it, even when there was the op- option to to take the dry route. So um, I I know for some people, especially first time racers, that was probably a bit of a shocker going through that kind of water. Um, but
1: you were those guys I'm that really, run by the people walking in the water and splash them even more. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I was definitely trudging through the water, and I, I would make a little grumble about something about integrity or, you know, this is, this is what we <laughs> paid for kind of thing. Um, but I try not to push it too much since there, since, uh, you know, I was out there running open. If I had been out there running competitive or, God willing, elite or something like that, then there probably would have been some... Uh, more angry words about it, but I figure you know it's open race. I'm I'm here doing my thing. Everyone else is doing theirs. That's right. So you know, I, I I'm just gonna have a good time with it. I'm gonna push myself to my own limit because that's what I signed up for. That's right. And I know everyone else that is out there is is pushing themselves in their own way in the open heat. So I I try not to judge during that kind of thing. But if it came to competitive or elite you know that that's, yeah, that's where different
1: it's, stories there
0: that's following everything to the t that, that's really where you know you're, you're signing up to push yourself to the max along with everyone else and and be held accountable for for everything out of everything you do out there on course
1: exactly i feel um, like you're paying for the full experience yeah, when, when you and go that, competitive that and elite.
0: Every burpee, every uncomfortable
1: dose of water. That's uh, right.
0: You know, it's supposed to suck. That's what we sign up for. That's right. And, and, and I've learned to embrace that and have fun with it. And, you know, but at the same time, i got to admit, there, there was probably about the fourth or fifth time going into that water where I got to thinking about hurricane heat coming up later that evening and how much I did not want to have to get in that water at night.
1: They push out through and, the water a lot during the hurricane heat?
0: Well, you never know what to expect with hurricane heat, but from that was my fourth one that I've done. And of the three previous ones, we ended up wet at, at all during one point or another of those three. Um, the first one I did, Class 7-7, uh, we were... We were in the mud pits right away, splashing each other and all that stuff, and that was December at Castaic, where it, there was a cold breeze coming through, oh, wow. and, and we, were, we were feeling that cold right away. Um, at 7-8, which was in January down at Temecula, um, there was a portion that was in the water. My group that I was with, we ended up doing that last. Some others went in before us, so, you know, the timing was a bit different. Um, at, at Class 9-9 at Castaic this year, uh, or this last year, it, wasn't a, it was a lot drier than I was expecting. We got wet towards the end, but it was nowhere near what I'd experienced the previous two. Um, but this one in Class 100... Uh, My fears came true right off the bat. We went right through rolling mud as soon as we started. And uh, from there, we met up with Cookie and went and rolled around in some puddles and things like that. So thankfully, we didn't go into the main body of water there and didn't have to deal with that level of cold water. But it was still wet, muddy, and uncomfortable through uh, most of Class 100.
1: Right. So, uh, tell me about the new obstacles they had.
0: Um, Let's see, it was Twister is one of the ones that they had. Uh, Real interesting obstacle where it's a a hanging obstacle where it's got hand grips that kind of go in a spiral around the bar, and the bar kind of is uh, rotating. So as you're going, each hand grip kind of moves down into a location for you. Um, I unfortunately got bumped off of it by a couple other people on either side of me. Nice. So I was not able to make it through that. I fucked it up, did my burpees from there. That was the only obstacle I failed that time. And, oh, good job. Uh, or for that race. Thank you. And, but it seems the, the way to go with that one is to attack it sideways.
1: Right. And I saw some people doing well, I, it like that.
0: Yeah, the, the way I would do it is I grabbed onto the second hand hold as I started, so there's a gap for, uh, my second hand to go on and was just able to keep going sideways. I had good momentum going until that first transition when I got kicked a couple of times and fell off. Uh, but from the successes that I have seen of of that obstacle, it seems sideways is the way to go.
1: It looked Um, really long, like it looked longer than a normal uh, set of monkey bars or multi-rig by far.
0: It it is surprisingly long. It's about three sections worth, and I'd say each section is probably 8 to 10 feet. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good stretch. And, um, the transitions are really tough too, because it's got that scaffold between each of the sections, so you kind of have to grab onto the rigging, uh which I know for other obstacles is technically against the rules. I haven't read the specifics on the rules this year when it comes to that obstacle um but from everything that I saw during the open heat is you, you pretty much have to grab onto it uh, in between, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I haven't seen any of the elite guys doing it to see if they've had to grab onto the scaffold during the transitions or if they're able to make that long reach I
1: know there was between a, each There was a video of Rose Wetzel doing it, but I can't remember if I saw her grab it or not. That somebody.
0: Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if they're able to
1: It, are those grabs, that were they big enough to where you could put two hands on one grab hold, or was there not a, enough room for two?
0: Um, yeah, your hands would be kind of cramped, at least. I think for most men it would be kind of cramped. If you had smaller hands, it may work. But it was probably a, a, about a fist and a half wide on me, so... Um, you know, not a whole lot of room for for both hands to get in there. I think I'd only be able to fit about three fingers of each hand in there comfortably. Wow. Um, but there, there's a good amount of, of grip from your knuckles to the bar, so you know, you're you're it's easy to grab into it. But I, I don't think it would work too well getting trying to get both hands onto the same hold.
1: Right. I am curious to see see if they'll even have it in Atlanta on the East Coast in March just because you know that's just we sometimes over here on the East Coast we don't see a lot of the same obstacles they have on the West Coast and then I heard something like that's only going to be like a a Spartan super and beast specific obstacle, you know, kind of like the Taraline traverse is only on the bigger races. And never uh, never I could understand
0: that. It would be challenging for a sprint level thing and I'm I'm sure with the setup that's involved, uh, you know, putting in that kind of work for a shorter course is uh, probably not as easy for the company to do.
1: Right. So what was what was that? that They had another one that was called the Bender, and I I'd just seen a picture of it. Was that real tough one?
0: Um, For me, it was not. Um, It's one where there's a series of bars that are probably about six or seven feet that go almost straight up and kind of bend back uh, at you. So you have to kind of Use almost all arms going up the first two or three bars, and then you got to get up and over the bar and come back down the other side. Um, I did witness a couple of people that, you know, they were getting a bit intimidated by the height, which is understandable, because once you're up at the top, you're probably about 10 or 11 feet off the ground.
1: Yeah, it looked um, tall.
0: Yeah, it, 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 it's a pretty good amount of height, and... Uh, but, you know, if you got the upper body strength and you can get your your leg up onto that first bar, then it's not too bad from there. Um, I just got my waist up, bent over the, the top bar, and was able to swing a leg over and climb down fairly easy. So, it um, didn't present too much challenge for me other than, you know, having to wait in line for people to get through it. Right. Uh, you know, that's the nature of running open. Sometimes you've got to have a little bit of patience with, at the obstacles. Um, but they did seem to have safety in mind there. They had crash pads underneath it, so, you know, big one foot thick pads underneath in case somebody fell. Um, so it seems that they've accounted for that. Uh, but I didn't see anybody fall off of it. I saw some people get scared up there, but they muscled through, and, right. you know. And, and Spartan spirit, everyone was cheering them on. And it, it was always fun to watch people confront their fears
1: like that. Yeah, that looks like a pretty tough obstacle. Like if, if you know, somebody, you know, physically cannot do that obstacle and you have to help them get up and over that obstacle, that looks like a hard obstacle to help somebody get over.
0: Yeah, uh, well, once you're up, it's, I did see one gentleman helping a, uh a, a Young lady, through it, where he had climbed up and he got onto the other side, and he was helping make sure that she got her leg over and things along that line. Oh
1: wow! Um,
0: but I think the toughest part for a lot of people is going to be the upper body strength required to get um, up the initial part of it because it's a big gra- uh, gap where you don't really have anything to put your feet on in order to climb up. You know, you got to be able to. Muscle up
1: two or three bars before you get to a height where you can, get
0: your you can
1: leg comfortably on. swing the bar. Yeah, exactly, before you can swing the right leg up there. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. And so they had these really big tires everybody was talking about that were super heavy. How were they? Were they real heavy to you? Uh,
0: they, they are... Uh, chunk of weight there um, I believe the men's is about 400 pounds and, that's a big uh, tire the, the biggest challenge I had with those tires was trying to get my fingers under them because they're pretty squared off treads and the the, the space in between the treads um, is pretty unforgiving where I could only squeeze about a finger or so underneath so it was hard getting it started Um, but once it was up and moving, um, I didn't have too much trouble flipping it from there. And I don't know if it's venue specific or if this is going to be a standard thing, but for the super, you know, they only had us do uh one and back when it came to flipping it. You know, I, I know in previous years when they had tires at these events, you'd have to flip it four or five times out, four or five times back. This one, it was just one time out, one time
1: back. So you only had to flip it twice? uh, Yep, I only had to flip it
0: once going out and flip it once coming back, so it was a total of two flips. So, I don't, you know, I don't know if they'll up the number at other venues or events, but for at least Lake Elsinore, it was just one and back.
1: Yeah, I think it's actually going to be, I don't know how regular it's going to be at events, but I think I've seen or heard somewhere that Yokohama is going to be one of the sponsors for some of the races, so... That's their brand yeah, imagine tire. Imagine
0: they're going to be at a, at a lot of the Spartan races this year, since so they, they're going to be a sponsor. And yeah. they had to set up in festival with a couple of the tires. Um, they're in the festival area to kind of test, test it out before you get out on course. And, of course, and during Hurricane Heat 100, uh, we made good use of those tires that were out there in festival and had to carry them around. The festival area. So um, I imagine the, the hurricane heaters this year will be having a, a lot more experience with tire carries, along with the other heavy carries that may be involved.
1: Oh yeah, I'm sure. Was there been any was there any more su- surprises out there? Or was the rest of it pretty much a typical course?
0: Um, a lot of. Typical course from there, you know, standard obstacles, stairway to Sparta, rope climbs, um, bucket carry. Oh, um, they did have new sandbags this year. Uh, they look like an oversized version of wreck bags rather than having the Spartan pancakes.
1: So it's kind of like Uh, a terrain race bag, in other words? I'm sorry? Was it kind of like the terrain race bag a little bit?
0: Um, a little bit, yeah. It's the longer bag, but they're, they're much bigger than, um, the standard wreck bags that they have at something like Terrain or, uh, some of the other, even Battlefrog had rec, rec bags in some of their races. But, uh, the ones that Spartan have are kind of bigger size. It's not a whole lot more weight, um, but it, the size does make it a little awkward to carry, um... So it was definitely something new compared to during the classic Spartan pancakes that we've had to lug around before.
1: Yeah, I was, um, a, I was about to say anything could probably be easier than that round pancake. <laughs> <coughs> well,
0: um, you know, there, there's a good and bad of it. Of, you know, I was able to drape it over my shoulders and, and run pretty well with it, uh, but... Similar thing with the pancake. I've gotten used to carrying it on my shoulder or something along that line, so I can pick up some speed. Um, but this one can't have the same grip off with, like the pancake is, where you could just hold it with one hand or two hands and just go with it that way. Shoulder carry is probably going to be the ideal way to for for those new bags with this guys.
1: So you kind of had to fight with a little bit more than the pancake.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I had it draped over both shoulders and was able to carry it around that way. And, and, um, you know, I was able to pass it off to someone that way of just dropping it on their shoulders. That seemed an easier transition for someone coming up on it. But, um, you know, picking it up out of a pile, that's different than uh, grabbing a pancake out of the pile, so. Uh, you know, just one of those things, go out a, a couple extra seconds or minutes of your time, depending on the skill level and, and how much determination you have going into that obstacle. Uh, so I think it's a good way to kind of mix up the classic, some of the classic carries that they've got.
1: Cool, cool, right on. So, wait, now, now they had that Olympus there too, right?
0: Yep, Olympus was at this one. Um, I believe that one debuted... Well, I saw the cast uh in 2016, which was the end of the Spartan year last year. Right. Um, so that was the second time I've encountered the Olympus. Um,
1: Is that a real hard I, obstacle? It, it doesn't look too bad, but I, I mean, I'm sure it's one of those things where if it gets wet and muddy, it's hard like everything else.
0: Yeah. Um, I You know, the, the feet slipping is always uh, a concern. Uh, I've been able to get through it. Um, every time I've encountered it, my trick is to use the holes. Uh, but, you know, some people like using the chains with the rock climbing grips they have on there. So, so there is some variety to the grips, which I think is uh, nice and gives you a little bit of play. But if you know, similar to, like, the flip wall, where one of the tricks seems to be getting those feet under you and leaning back and and uh, leaning into those grips so that your body just kind of sticks. So even if your feet are wet, if you're leaning back far enough and have your feet underneath you, um, should be able to make it through reasonably well.
1: Yeah, that obstacle... So up- one of the dirty tricks that
0: I saw some people doing that I know is against the rules, but that looked like a fun way to get through regardless, uh, was, uh, someone standing up on the hand grips. So, <laughs> <laughs> seemed like a dangerous way to get through and definitely against the rules. Um, I'm sure if they were a leaf or, uh, competitive, they would have gotten dq would but, um, you know,
1: there are some sneaky tactics that are already forming on how to get through that one. Yeah, when I was at uh, the last race I did, it was at, it was in Jacksonville, or they called it Jacksonville. It wasn't even close to Jacksonville. But uh, we was on the multi-rig, and I was running Elite, and this guy was on top of the bar on, in the multi-rig. He had already put his legs on it and swung up on top of the bar in the multi-rig. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, I guess it
0: you know, was for effort and creativity, I suppose. <laughs> um,
1: That's what I was thinking too. I guess he was just about to lose his grip, so he threw his legs up on it.
0: Yeah, I've seen some people do that with uh, tire lane traverse, where you know they do the military style, crawl on top of the rope and and crawl across that way. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to try that method outside of the race, and I'm not about to. You know, try something new there on race
1: day. I'm I'm one of those that dangles under and wraps my feet around. Me too. Um, I, I I actually did get a chance to try that when we was running open in a on the Carolina Beast on Sunday. We run it we run it competitive, but we were kind of using it as a training run too. And I I tried to get on top of it and do it like that. I couldn't I couldn't do it. I I didn't like it. I didn't feel comfortable doing it anyway.
0: Yeah, it seems like one of those things that really takes uh, a bit of practice to get used to that kind of balance and stuff like that. But um, I know you
1: Ke- know, Kevin Donahue does it that way. The military,
0: it, it, there's got
1: to be something to it. Yeah, I, I, I guess if you if you was able to figure out how to do it well, it probably would save grip strength and and your legs a little bit. I would imagine if you could get it down, but you can just go so fast being underneath it. It's just, I, I, I just think it'd be at this point would be a waste of time to try to learn a new way to do it.
0: Yeah. That's kind of my feeling too. Um, I mean, I saw some pictures from, um, a gogi that just happened. What was that? Uh, a gogi four that just happened out there in Vermont about a week or so ago. Yeah. And it looked like they had to do a traverse over a river where they were all doing the, uh, on top of the rope version, um, so maybe they were studying some of that while they were out there, um, we but like you were saying, that, that does seem, if, if you can pull it off, it may not may not be as fast, but from everything I've heard, it does save the, the grip and arm strength. Sure.
1: Yeah, I know if you drag your legs on that rope too much, you'll have some sore legs. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one
0: where uh, a lot of times the, the cramps will kick in for me, and, and times that I get cramps, will be trying to wrap around on that rope, and all of a sudden the calf just says, nope, this is the time. It, it's, it's hurting. Hmm. Um, but I always wear the, the calf's wings, and I haven't uh, gotten ripped rope burn from that one, but I used to have a scar down the front of one of my shins from uh, rope climb. Right. I was back and getting a big tear down, down my shin.
1: Yep. How do, how do you, what method do you use when you climb the rope? I usually just always S-wrap it myself.
0: I, I'm a J-hook person uh, for me. I, I did S-wrap for the first couple of races once I started learning about that technique because um, the first couple of races I did were, you know, they still had the knots on on the ropes, so I was able to use the knots to kind of stand on. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of using the gym technique, and then I started learning about the different uh, foot wraps. So I tried S, the S-wrap, and there was just too many times where the rope would come on undone, and I'd be dangling there from my arms, trying to rewrap it around my leg. and
1: Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing I don't like about it, because it does seem like you always have to rewrap it. Almost every time you move up, you have to rewrap it.
0: Yeah. So as, as I got more comfortable with J hook, uh, that seemed to be much quicker, more efficient method for me to get up and down that rope with less Halfo, and you know, the less time you're dangling there on the rope, the less you're burning out your
1: your grip. Yeah. Grip yeah. I probably need to try to practice a little more.
0: with a shot, but you know you got to go with whatever works for you. This effort thing and it's the effort. I've seen a couple of elites that will that will do effort, but then again I also see uh, quite a few elites that just do it all arms and don't even bother with their legs.
1: Right. <clears throat> So what was the last, what was the last obstacle of the race? I mean, b- besides the fire jump, of course.
0: Um, let's see, the, the last little stretch there at Lake Elsinore, they had the Herc hoist. Um, then it went down around the corner there. I believe that's when it went into rolling mud, which of course leads to the dunk wall
1: and it was up the slip wall, and over the fire from there. Oh, cool. Herquoise is one of those where it'll be like one race, oh, this is easy, and then the next race it'll rain, and it'll all get wet, and you're like, man, this thing feels like it weighs twice as much as it did the last race.
0: Yeah, and, and but it does look like they have new bags for the Herquoise this time. They seem a little more solid, so maybe they won't hold as much water. Now, um, but um, yeah, I've only filled the Hercules once, and that was at uh, the Paula Beast last year in SoCal, and that was where they had a combination of the rope climb, and then a couple yards from there, they had the multi-rig, and then a couple yards after that, they had the Hercules. So within about Two or three hundred yards, you had these three major grip obstacles right there. But by the time I got to her course, my my hands were just totally fried. Right. And I can only get that thing about four feet off the ground, and it just wasn't going anywhere from there, so um, first time I've ever had to burpee out of the herc.
1: When I, when I ran my Ultra at New Jersey, the Hurcoist was the last obstacle before, you know, rolling mud and the dunk wall and the finish line, and that was the only obstacle that I failed, and I failed it on both laps. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what it was. It just felt, when I got there, it was just, I get it about halfway up, and that was it. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and,
1: God, that's a frustrating feeling, man. I oh, especially man, When it can be done, I've done it numerous times, but this time it's just not happening for whatever reason. I know. It seems like that's what makes you the most mad is when, I've done this before. Why can't I do it this time? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I've had that with the Hercules, and uh, same thing with the rope climb. Um, I think that was the 2015 Sacramento race where uh, Rope Climb was the very last one. And um, it was just caked in this super slick uh, clay mud that was out there on the venue that year that was filled with tadpoles and all kinds of craziness. Um, But I just couldn't get up above the mud part, and couldn't get a grip, couldn't get my legs under it, and, uh, the only time I've ended up failing the, the rope climb, so, another one of those frustrating moments of, come on, I know I can do this obstacle, this is one of my go-to, like, That's my right. thing I
1: can do. I know, it's it's like I'm at the point where I've gotten so superstitious about it, is I don't underestimate any of the obstacles anymore. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've definitely learned my lesson from that. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's why I was suspicious going into a place like um, Lake Elsinore, where I didn't want to underestimate the race just because it was going to be a flat venue. I knew that they were going to find some way to put some suck in there. Yeah, and, and sure enough, that, that cold water. You know, thankfully, right? uh, I didn't craft but I saw many people lay it out on the course massaging out cramps and stuff like that going through that freezing cold water, I can really do a number uh, halfway through the rest.
1: Yeah, it's amazing what that cold water, it'll it will bring on a cramp quick.
0: Mm-hmm. It happened to me during the uh, 2015 World Championship, during that, after that swim, uh, you know, we had the swim. Probably about a hundred meters or so through about forty degree water, Oof. and um, I had stripped off my my shirt, my shoes, and as basically as much gear as I could going in because I was racing open for that one. And um, I had been doing great going into that obstacle. I was holding a good pace. Uh, that was about mile nine. We were coming down the mountain at that point. Um, and downhill is kind of one of my fortes, that I I can really pick up the speed going downhill. Um, But once hitting that water, it took me about a half hour or so to get my shoes and socks back on, just (laughs) trying to get through all the cramps, putting it on, powering through, and uh, that really changed the race for me after that swim. I I slowed way down and, and had a lot of cramps going after that.
1: It probably took you forever to warm back up, too.
0: Oh yeah, I, I don't know that I ever really did warm back up after that because I was coming down the mountain just as the weather was blowing in. Uh, thankfully, I missed the hail and lightning that was higher up the mountain that I had heard about. Uh, I had a buddy up there that got stuck in the hail. Wow! But um, by the time I was coming down, it was it was just turning into cold rain, and um, yeah, I. You know, like we were saying earlier, that, that weather, man, that can really be the, the make or break to to an
1: event. Yeah, it seems like Tahoe always gets some really crappy weather.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and it's going to be a week earlier this year, I believe they're doing it at the end of September. So hopefully that extra week uh, will hopefully help us out, but. I know the Tahoe area pretty well, and know that it could be the middle of summer, and and we could still hit a snowstorm. So you can never underestimate what what you're going to hit there at Tahoe.
1: Yeah, if it's in the cards, I'm gonna I'm I'm hoping I might be able to make it out there this year.
0: It'd be great, man. It, uh, that is one of the most picturesque uh, venues I've been to here in California. I think the only other one that is close would be Monterey. Um, Monterey is probably my personal favorite in terms of venues to race at. But uh, Tahoe is up there on just being an amazing venue. And they've got, you know, the Olympic Village down there where they get to have festival. And uh, nice little place to visit.
1: Man, it looks like a blast. It looks like everybody always has a real good time going to that race, too.
0: Yep. I mean, I, I feel for the Ultra Beasts that were there this year. I didn't get to go in 2016, but, uh, you know, it, it was uh, painful to hear about what some of these guys went through getting pulled off the course from still and all that kind of stuff uh, the second day of, of Tahoe.
1: Yeah. Um, I read about that. But yeah,
0: you know. But there you go. That, that's what you always got to prepare for, that it, it can get that extreme. But at the same time, uh, what is it, Greek Peak? that's about to happen here any second now, or what is that, a week or two away?
1: Yeah, it's either, uh, it's either this it weekend like or next weekend, I
0: think. Something like that, and it looks like they're going to be chopping through the snow, so yeah, I don't know what the difference is between Greek Peak and some place like Tahoe and why they're able to do one in the snow and one can't be in the snow. That's
1: right,
0: yeah. But I'm sure it's a logistics thing on
1: If they can get to somebody,
0: if they get hurt, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're probably more set up for something like that at Greek Peak. So, uh, power to those guys getting out there in the snow and doing that one this year. And it looks like they'll be getting a nice, unique medal that I I wish I could be getting this year. I'm getting a little bit of medal envy from some of the pictures that I've seen
1: of it. I hear you. I hear you. I saw it, too. It is pretty cool-looking medal. Well, we're getting close to an hour here, but I I got a couple more questions I want to ask you Dave and then I I'll, I'll let you go. So, uh like before you start a race, like do you have like a race ritual or just like something that you do, you know, that you might prepare, like you might eat the same kind of breakfast or something before you do a race? What 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 is it? What's your secret?
0: Well, uh usually it's the week of or at least three or four days beforehand, I make sure that I'm I'm taking in at least a gallon of water a day, and then usually a, a day or two before, um, I also include a a Pedialyte or some other electrolyte type drink um, in there, so I make sure that I'm well hydrated going into it. Um, when it comes to race day morning. Uh, I'm a fan of oatmeal with a couple of eggs beaten into it, so it's a little bit thicker and yeah. gives me the the energy that I need for the day. I'm also a fan of Beet Elite. I usually take one of those uh, going into the venue. I have enough time for it to kind of settle in and, and start happening.
1: Um, now, a lot of people don't like the flavor of Beet Elite. What is your take on it? I love it.
0: I, I I don't mind it, you know. It, it's not my favorite, but I don't get grossed out by it or anything like that. To me, it's just, it is what it is. It does kind of have that earthy flavor to it, so I can see how it might be jarring to some. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think it's that bad. I, I like it.
1: Yeah, I kind of like it, too. I mean, some people gag when they drink it, but shoot, I like it. It's a sweet treat to me.
0: Yeah, that's the only way I can do beats. I mean, regular beats I, I am not a fan of at all, but, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I like beat elite because I can, I can get all that power out of the beat without having to actually choke one of those actual beats down. And, um, you know, so I'll, I'll gladly go with the, the beat elite to help power me through the race.
1: Yeah, we definitely have the same take on beets because I don't eat them either.
0: But you know I'm not alone on that.
1: <laughs> so, uh, okay, so, like, is there any piece of gear that you just swear by that you have to have for a race? What would that be?
0: Hmm. Well, I would say shoes, but, you know, the, the last couple of, uh, this last year or so, I was running on the Reebok Thunders, which you know they were wider than something like the supers were. Um, the supers were a great shoe for short distances; they have amazing grip and drainage and things like that. I think the Reebok really has that element of the OCR shoe down when it comes to drainage and a lightweight shoe, but they just they don't hold up over time. Um, so. Uh, ended up blowing out the shoes and losing the, the treads on the thunders by the end of the year. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. But the, the pieces of gear that I really like having uh, for my legs, I use the ZENFA uh, fast sleeves. Yeah, a little bit thicker. Um, so they, they offer good protection for my legs. Um, the compression isn't quite as, as tight as something like the 2XU's. Um, I usually use 2XU for recovery, um, but when it comes to the actual race day, I go with the rentals. Um, I got a pair of sun goggles at an Army surplus store, and that's probably my number one piece of gear I like to have. Um, I prefer those over just regular sunglasses or something like that, because the that goes around the back of my head, they stay in place. Don't have to worry about any eyewear moving anywhere or anything like that.
1: So you wear, um, so you wear contacts when you run, too?
0: No, I've got 20-20, so I don't need to worry about contacts or, uh, or you know, glasses to see. But I like having the sunglasses on or, um, in this case, the, the sun goggles just to, you know, not have to strain my eyes out there in the sun. Right. Um, Maybe it's a Southern California thing where we just got so much sun out here that you've got to have that protection for the eyes whenever
1: I go out. Oh yeah, I don't blame you there. I always have sunglasses with me too. That's why most yeah. of the time when you when you run in the elite and competitive heats, it's so early the sun usually ain't out to bother you as bad. That's true.
0: That's true. Um, I, I have started running competitive this last year. And um there's a couple of races where, yeah, I didn't have to have any eyewear on. Um, but I still bring them along. Maybe that's part of my superstitiousness of I, I still like having that eyewear on. Um, so I guess if there had to be one piece, that would probably be it. Otherwise, it's the standard thing of, you know, top sleeves, compression shorts. I put shorts on over the compression shorts. Um, you know, usually some lightweight uh, running or basketball shorts, something along that line. And I'm I'm also one that I wear a shirt when I run. Um, you know, my years of being a lifeguard, it's just that uh, skin protection and, and right. things along that line. I've never had issues with my gear getting stuck on barbed wire or anything like that. So for me, um, I just like having that extra layer of protection on me.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've ever had problems with a, a shirt getting caught on the barbed wire. It seems like it's always my pants gets caught on the barbed wire. <laughs> I've scraped my head on it a couple of times. I've, I've snagged a hydration pack on it a few times. But uh, yeah, I've had the issue
0: with the shirt or the pants myself.
1: Yeah, I think that's the worst thing. Is it, that's the worst thing about wearing a hydration pack is the barbed wire. I, I don't have any problems with it, but I'm a roller. I like to roll, and the pack just ruins that. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's tough to roll with the pack on, and taking it off can be a bit of a hassle.
1: Yeah,
0: it um, yes. is. I can only do about three or four rolls at a time before i got to go back into an army crawl, and then I'll roll on the other side to try to even it out. Um, but, yeah, with the hydration pack, that... That's the only time that I've been affected by it. Also, and I usually recommend uh, to everyone racing, especially if it's their first race or if they have any doubt whatsoever about
1: if they should bring a pack, it's just just bring it. You know, yeah. it's much better to have it
0: out there than uh, to be stuck out there thirsty and dehydrated or anything along that line. Uh, it's only been in this last year that uh, I stopped taking my hydration pack to Sprint, and even did a couple of supers without a hydration pack. But, um, up until then, i have done probably about a dozen or so races. I always had my hydration on me.
1: I hear you, man.
0: Yeah. <coughs> Plus, it's nice to just have that extra storage space to put in my, uh, my nutrition, maybe a pair of gloves. So I just take gloves with me or an extra bandana, things along that line, Sometimes, you know, some venues, like Cermacula was one of those back when, when we were able to race a barrel Lake, still. Um, it was a dusty venue, so got a pack of bandana in there to help work as a face guard through all that dust. It was nice having a place to store it in something like that,
1: a hydration pack. Yep, yeah, it does have plenty of good storage. I know I, I enjoyed having it when I was doing the Ultra. The, like I said, the only time I didn't like the pack was on the barbed wire. You know, on, uh-huh. the, on the sprints and all, I'll just go out there and maybe just wear some compression pants, and there ain't nowhere to put nothing in some compression pants. And
0: just go like Google in there, right
1: by the boys or something. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> well, hey, David. Man, it's been good talking to you. We've been getting, we're well over an hour now, so I ain't going to keep you any longer. But I, I'm
0: I'd- Scott, good talking with you, too.
1: Yeah, man. I appreciate your time, man. And we'll see you out there.
0: All right.
1: Have a good rest. You too. And there you have it, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. And hopefully to see you at the next Spartan race. Peace.
0: Every